We are going back to the study. We're starting in um, verse, I think it's 7, so, or verse 10. And so let me read this together and then we'll pray. <clears throat> I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. <clears throat> what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. And another, I follow Cephas. And still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? I thank my God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, I, and so that no one can say that you were baptized into my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Uh, beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. I kind of appreciate that. Paul doesn't remember everything either. So. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Let's pray. Father, we, um, we know how quick we are to, to disagree, how quick we are to judge one another or to impugn motives upon another person that aren't really there to elevate this or that. And so we ask for your spirit to wound us today to remind us of what's important and that we would be united and agree together and that we would uh, remember where the power really lies in all of this. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, we have a really fairly simple outline to fill out today. And so the first one is we should agree. So the Bible is telling us that we, as followers of Jesus, should agree on things, which kind of makes sense, right? The passage again, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in your mind and thought. And so the words he's saying here is agree, no divisions, perfectly united, and uh, I don't know about you, but the first thing I do is, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, the, you know, we're all different, and we have differences of opinion, and, and people have different preferences, and I know that's true, and unity doesn't mean conformity, we're not all supposed to wear the same beige uniforms and all, you know, dress the same exact way and, and recite words the same way and all that stuff. And so, no, 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 this isn't saying that. But it is saying that the people who are in Jesus, the people who are part of the church, should be characterized more by what we agree about than what we disagree about. And a lot of times the things that we disagree about are not important enough to make a fuss about. And so there really is a component to our Christian walk that we're supposed to agree to disagree on the things that don't matter but we agree to agree on the things that do matter. Of course, 
we probably would disagree on which ones of those things are the things that matter and which ones aren't. That's one of the hardest parts, right, is figuring out what's the important ones and what's not the important ones. But the Bible is pretty clear about that. And if somebody comes in here and says that Jesus dying on the cross isn't important, that's not just a disagree-agree issue. That's a false teacher, right? So we're leaving this book, and somebody's distorting the book. So we can't do that. So we can't agree with everybody who says that Jesus isn't Jesus, right? Or that says he doesn't need to be saved. So you understand we're not saying that, Paul's not saying that you agree with false teachers. He's got other texts that would prove that for sure. But within the core of the gospel, within those who understand that we're all sinners and that the only way to be saved is to believe in Jesus. And when we do trust Jesus, that his blood pays the penalty for our sins and we're forgiven our sins and we're brought into one family, one body of believers. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And having been given God's spirit now, we are enabled and equipped to serve one another and to agree with one another in perfect unity. <clears throat> we can be um, without division. We can agree with one another. So this is the characteristic we should have. And I'm grateful to say that this is... Um, excuse me, you want to hit them... <coughs> I need a cough button. <clears throat> I think I'm okay. Um, I think it's a, it's a delight for me to say that in our body of believers here, we don't have a lot of disagreement. We really don't. And especially on the things that matter the most. And I'm pleased by how diverse, really, we are as a, as a group. And so um, God has been blessing us with that. Amen? This is not by accident. And I understand that there are each one of us has to bear with the faults of one another. And I'm sure there's times that each one of us has said, eh, I'd rather have it this way, but it doesn't matter. It's okay. And so I appreciate all of you deciding to do that. That's a really good thing. You are practicing Christianity when you do that. You're deciding to be united on the things that matter, and especially those things like the Lord Jesus. And so that's an important thing. That's a characteristic of our church, and it's something that we want to continue on. So Paul is agreeing, or he's encouraging them to continue to agree. But what had happened was there was quarreling in their midst about human leaders. And so there was a thing that seeped in to their a congregation, to their thinking, where they elevated certain human leaders as more important than others, and they were quarreling about that. I like it this way. I like this leader. I like that leader. I like... And so... Uh, let's see what the text says again. So he says, my brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household. So Chloe must be one of the people in the church, right? A lady's house. And um, have told me that there are quarrels among you. So um, I don't think this is gossip, right? This is a report to an apostle. So I'm not, this isn't just petty gossip. This is a truthful report. And Chloe told them the truth. And he says, what I mean is this. This is what I'm hearing some of you say. Some are saying, I follow Paul. Which, frankly, that would be the camp I'd want to be in. Right? Paul's awesome. He's the coolest theologian ever. Not only is he super, super smart, he loves people too. Who knew you could have both of those at the same time? Right? Super smart and super pastory. I mean, what a great guy. And then Apollos, eh, I don't even know who he is. As a matter of fact, his pedigree is a little bit questionable. He came over and he, he was a great orator, a great teacher, but he wasn't really fully instructed in the ways of the Lord. And so Paul helped him and, and a couple of other people did. Um, 
Aquila and Priscilla and helped them understand a little bit better, and then he taught more correctly. So he wasn't a false teacher. He was just an ignorant teacher, but he got better. And so his, his stick is really good. He's really good. He's your orator, right? He's not your theologian pastor, but he's the one who can really belt out a message, man. You can really hear Apollos. It's awesome. And then, of course, Cephas, that's the other name for Peter. Right? Peter's the rock. How could you not follow Peter? He's the rock. He's the one that Jesus said, this is the one I'm going to build my church. And Peter's older, and he's so kind and gentle. I mean, he's the one. He denied the Lord Jesus. He knew what it's like to actually be the one who betrayed Jesus that night. And he, he's so humble and kind. He's so gentle with people. I mean, he's really, I kind of like, he's a little chubby too. I kind of like, he's just so huggable. I'm making that part up. I, I don't know. But then there's some other people they Jesus juke you. Oh, no, 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 no. I follow Christ. You petty little people who follow Paul. <laughs> no, hey, I follow Jesus. Gotcha, right? And so there's this petty fighting going on, the elevating of one leader over another. I wonder, we don't have that in our church either, but you could, Right? Uh, there, was one, there was one lady in our church who would ask me fairly frequently, are you preaching tomorrow or is Steve preaching tomorrow? Because it was, it, was it was a factor in whether or not she'd try to come to church or not. Of course, it was my sister, so, and you know, she's in heaven now, so she knows better. But you know, I can grant her that flaw of loving her brother more than anybody else. She's, there's only two people in the world that love me too much, my mom and my sister, and they're both with Jesus now, so I'm... I'm kind of short on fans, but I'll bake it. But the point is this. You could, right? You could be divisive here. Um, it'd be even worse if Steve and I tried to make it divisive. My favorite preacher is Steve, by the way. And his is, my, is me. We don't like preaching as much as that. That's a job. Well, it's, not, it's, a, it's a delight. It's a privilege. But it is also nice to be taught. It really is. Actually, we both like Colby the best, but... We, but you understand, we could get all petty, right? Or with a music team, we had a different music team today. Oh, I like that version. I like, I like Zeke's a better drummer than Becky. You know that, right? No, I like Becky. She's a better drummer. She does. That's petty. That's really petty. That's like saying, I like one kid better than another. Or I like one parent better than another. No, you love everybody. They're different, but you love them the same in your family. And, and, you shouldn't be petty. You shouldn't be divisive. You shouldn't quarrel about human leaders. That's really foolish. But I also think in, in, Christian, in Christendom in our world today, there are, um, there are pressures. Uh, I need to be careful here to not criticize or be perceived as criticizing large churches because I'm not. I think they could be awesome. And quite frankly, if our church grew to be 1,500 people, I'd think that'd be pretty cool, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be something if the Lord added to our number something like that? Or even 500 or, or even 200, right? That'd be really awesome. But there's pressure in our world to define success in sort of a Madison Avenue marketing kind of way, right? And they, there's pressures to count heads and count... Uh, budget size and count, um, and there's, there's pressure to pick favorite celebrity pastors. I mean, if I had to choose whether to hear Alistair Begg or R.C. Sproul right now, 
it's a good thing R.C. Sproul died because I wouldn't know which one to go to. But, you know, R.C. Sproul's not here. But I love these guys. I listen to them every day. And um, God's gifted some really great teachers. But there's pressure to sometimes elevate man or to elevate great orators or great teachers and to start to think of them as being more than just Paul or Apollos or Cephas, right? They're just human leaders. And we can, you know, Billy Graham is awesome, but he's just a human being too. And it's easy for us to fall into elevating them too high. And so Paul is warning us, don't do that. Don't make such a big deal about human leaders. And so what does he want us to do? He wants us to remember that Jesus is the leader. And I capitalize that with an L, a capital L, on purpose because it's he's the leader, the leader leader, right? He is the Lord Jesus. He is the one who is the Lord of all. He's the one who humbled himself and died on the cross, and he's going to be exalted and be given the name above every name, everything in heaven and earth, under the earth. Everybody is going to worship Jesus as the king and and at least confess that that's who he is. And so look at what he says. He said, is Christ divided? Is that really what you think, that there's these camps and Christ is all confused? Is Christ sort of... um, fickle or capricious? Does Christ sometimes like you and sometimes not like you and sometimes favor you and sometimes does? Is he, a, is he like a human leader? No. Christ is not divided. Was, was Paul, even if you think Paul's awesome, was Paul the one who purchased your salvation? Right? Did Paul, was Paul crucified for you? If you had to lay everybody out, who's the most important Christian leader? It's kind of like Jesus and everybody else, right? And Paul says, were you baptized in the name of Paul? When you were brought into this family, was it, was it, were you washed by my spirit or by the Holy Spirit? I, I almost imagine, um, imagine a couple little boys, maybe three little boys playing in the sand, and they got little, little matchbox cars and their little toy trucks, and they're saying, my truck can carry more dirt than you're carrying. No, no, my truck can carry. Look, I got the front end loader, and they're, they're just, they're not fighting fist to fist, but they're bickering a little bit about who's got the coolest little Tonka truck, right? The little thing. And then they scan back, and you realize that their sandbox is actually the front end loader of a giant payload, right? They're playing in a great big, huge, they're playing in the sand, of the giant, super huge payloader. And he's, Jesus is, Paul and Cephas are like the little toy trucks. And Jesus is the truck. There's no comparison. It's really, really foolish to say, I like, I like Paul better than Cephas. No, no, no. You fade back and look what's really going on. Who purchased salvation? Who's the one who's the great king? And all of the rest of us, all of us are just little pointers, little temporarily assigned leaders to do this or that. Now you might say, well, that's kind of convenient, John, because you're actually not a great orator and you're not the pastor of a huge church. And you're, so this is sort of a convenient little excuse for you. You're just finding a way to feel better about your wimpy little contribution. Hmm. Maybe. But maybe not. 
We ought not to, even if God were to bless us and make us huge or a mega church or famous or whatever, it's still Jesus. And one of the things, if I'm here in Ralston Big at all, what I hear him say is he loves Jesus and he would, he, he would never want anybody to elevate him above other than just a mouthpiece for Jesus. And so that's what we want to follow. Okay? So we should agree. There shouldn't be any quarreling about our human leaders because, and especially, to remember that Jesus is the leader. And then the next point I want us to point out is that great leaders, it's really super great leaders or it's power. In other words, if we focus on how great our... uh, leadership steps are and our vision casting and how cool our our image is and how great our oratory. And if we're going to do all those things, we are going to have something man-powered. Or we can have real power. Right? What does Paul say? He said, for Christ did not send me to baptize. That's not my primary mission. I'm not here setting up my own kingdom. I'm not setting it up, right? But he said, but he sent me to preach. So I'm I'm a mouth peace. I'm a spokesman. He sent me to preach the gospel. I'm supposed to tell people the good news. And not with wisdom and eloquence. Now this is an interesting phrase because is it that Paul is not wise? No, he's really smart. He was trained by the best education of his day. He was worldly wise. He was trained in all of the knowledge of Rome and in all of the knowledge of the Hebrew culture and Hebrew. He was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was really super legalistically righteous. He understood all kinds of things. He really had it figured out. He, he still has it figured out. He has it even more figured out now that he has the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, he is so great that God actually brought a torment to his life in order to keep him from becoming exceedingly proud. And he was grateful for this thorn in the flesh to keep him down. Do you realize how awesome Paul is? He wrote more parts of the New Testament than anybody else. God used him. Of all the speakers, he's, he's, he's like Moses to the New Testament, to the old. I mean, he's like famous like Moses, big time. So is Paul, is Paul wise? Oh yeah, super wise. Who could write Romans 9, 10, and 11 unless you had it all figured out? Right? And was he eloquent? Man, some of his, he he was criticized that his writing is forceful, but in speech, he's not so impressive. So maybe he wasn't a very great orator, but I'm not so sure that that was uh, a built-in weakness as much as a direct decision, because everything I pick up from Paul is what he says right here, is I, on purpose, didn't try to get all preachy pants. I wasn't trying to be all oratorial and, and showman. Everybody knows what it really sounds like when you change character. Right? And you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I could fake all kinds of things, right? Gotcha. So Paul knows those games. There was a, when I was in seminary, there was a guest pastor who would come. He was really well, he was a good speaker, man. He could really pull your heartstrings. And then I heard some of the other, he would speak at chapel frequently, and I heard some of the other seminary students place some bets on how many times he would cry during his presentation because he would pull it out. Now, maybe it was genuine, 
But after you started noticing it, it sort of seemed kind of on cue. Well, I'm not to judge, right? But you could, I could, we could learn how to manipulate you. You could be manipulated by a speaker. But Christ did not send him to do that, not with wisdom and power, not with eloquence, not with oratorial technique, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Do you see the decision? You see, if I could persuade you to believe in Jesus because I was so smart or so a, such a slick orator and I pronounced all my words right, I never said um, and you guys would all get really your hearts. If I could persuade you, where would your confidence lie? If things go bad tomorrow, where would you go for strength? Well, Pastor John was so, it was such a touching message. It was so true. Is that what you want your strength to be? No. You want your strength to be in Jesus and the cross. He's the one who purchased salvation. And so when and if I choose to use man's strength, I'm robbing the cross. I'm blinding you to see the real power. Where does the real power flow from? It's from Jesus' power. And it's in our weakness. And Paul's going to talk about this. Next week we're going to expand this some more. It's in our weakness. It's in our humility. It's in our fear and trembling. That's when we see the power of Jesus. Amen? Do you understand? Now this is no excuse to on purpose be sloppy, right? I'm not on purpose going to be bad at what I'm trying to do. I'm not on purpose going to be illogical. Or I'm, not, I'm never going to you know, talk like a robot all the time to make sure that there's no oratorial content I want to you know. That's not good either, but I have to be real, and I have to know, Stephen Colby and I have to know that Jesus is who's doing the leading. Jesus is the one who's, who's taught us in our study time first, and we just have the privilege of sharing with you what he's passing on to us. And it's in your word. It's in his word. And you need to study and check us out, right? You never assume anything. You, this, is the, this is the accurate, the thing that we have to give an account to. So it's either, it's either uh, wisdom and eloquence or Christ's power. If, if I was really into a spiritual leader, a famous leader, and then they fell morally, it, my faith would be shaken, right? That, that happens to a lot of times. People see it and some pastor person is so dynamic and so charismatic and they, they love everything and, and then we, there's some scandal breaks out because they're human beings and then um, the person's faith is lost. It's all been fake. It's all a big hollow thing. But if you've been a follower of Jesus instead of a follower of Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so, then your strength can help. Now, we're still brokenhearted when somebody falls, right? It still hurts us. And this is no excuse for me as a leader to get sloppy about my moral life because that eh, doesn't matter. You shouldn't follow me anyway. No, I, I feel pressure. I feel pressure. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a pastor. I, I, need to be, I need to be above reproach. That's what the Bible says. Leaders are supposed to be blameless and, and they're supposed to be good reputation. So there's pressure. We have to do the right things for sure. You have to hold us accountable. But the power is not going to come from that. And I don't want your faith, to your faith to rest on my ability or my charismatic personality. <laughs> As if, right? And that, that was a theoretical possibility. I, you see, I officially don't have a personality, so 
there's nothing to worry about here. But that's, that's on the side. Okay, so we should agree, amen? Well, you did that pretty well. You agreed with that. And no quarreling about human leaders, right? Who's your favorite pastor? No quarreling, right? They all are, right? Who's the leader? Jesus, amen. And it's either people or power, right? We want power. We want Jesus to get the glory for Wyoming Park Bible Fellowship. Isn't that awesome? So a couple of so what's here just to wrap it up. First of all, don't place your confidence in human leaders, right? Make sure, you, uh, make sure you're trusting the right thing. You trust Jesus. And then secondly, human leaders should point to Jesus, right? Our job, if you're the leader in Sunday school, if you're the leader in youth group, if you're the leader in the nursery, any other opportunity you have a leader, you always point people to Jesus. I can't do this, but Jesus can. He's, we are both students of the king. We're not, I'm the teacher, you're the, it's, we're both students and we teach one another that way. And so human leaders should always point to Jesus. And then finally, the gospel is most powerful when it's on its own, right? When we don't have to fix it or try to make it fancier, more acceptable to the world. Nonsense. The gospel is powerful when it's Christ alone, just like we sang this morning. All right. Well, hey, I told you I was 15 minutes ahead of schedule. And so I'm going to keep my word. Let's pray and we'll uh, close. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus. He is our great leader. He is our great savior. He's the one that we, we love, as Jane reminded us, the, the greatest treasure of our life. The most, it's worth spending time. It, it changes us and he, you bring us through all the years. And Father, we just pray for anyone here today who has um, been hurt deeply by another person, that they've failed them. It's going to happen. People fail us. And maybe there's even people who are bitter against Jesus or against the church because of a failing. Father, we just ask that you would move in their heart, that they would forgive that person and, and remind them that they needed to be trusting Jesus, not on a human follower. And Father, if there's anyone here today who has not accepted Jesus yet as the King, as the Lord of their life, may today be the day that they trust him for salvation. And we'll thank you in his name. Amen. Well, please stand with me as we sing our closing song. We're going to close with an old-timey hymn called Softly and Tenderly. This song is, is an invitation. It reminds us of the mercy and grace we have in Jesus. And it invites you to respond to that mercy and grace. Amen couple of really good applications from that song, right? If you are an unbeliever, if you don't know Jesus yet, the only hope for your soul is to come home to him. We all who have accepted Jesus, that's what we've done. Then also, if your heart is broken today because another person has let you down and failed you, come home to Jesus, right? We can still pray for that person and we can still hurt, but our ultimate faith should not be shaken. We should trust Jesus and him alone. Even Peter can fall. But Jesus is the one who restored even Peter. And so God is good. Amen? Well, thank you so much. Enjoy your extra coffee and cookie time. You're dismissed.